Guys, we wanted to show you that video um, to kind of give you a better idea of what the gathering actually is. We get together on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock um, for prayer, for worship. Uh, this summer, the focus of this prayer time um, is to really come together and pray for revival leading into the fall and everything that's, that uh, we believe God wants to do, to be praying for those things. And so obviously praying for other things as well, but really with a big focus on God moving, um, revival, salvations, that God would be glorified in Statesboro, at Georgia Southern, East Georgia, Geechee Tech, just everything um, around Bullock County, this area, that God would be glorified, that there would be a great move of God. All great revivals have started with people praying. And so that's what we're doing. We're getting together to pray and ask God to do through his grace what we can't do on our own. And so I want to invite you to come out for that um, and join us Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock, uh, to begin praying. One of the things that I felt like the Lord laid on my heart is that we can't really and truthfully and honestly say that we want to see revival if we're not willing to get together and pray for revival. Um, we can say it all we want to, but until we begin to cry out to God in heaven, um, you know, we really can't say that that's what our hearts long for. So um, not trying to manipulate you, twist you, but if that's what you want to see, then let's come together and let's, let's begin to uh, really worship and pray for God to move in ways and do things that we can't do. All right. So, amen. All right. Vivian's fired up, as always. Um, and so... Uh, we have been going through the book of Acts, and, and uh, Jordan summarized the book of Acts, but as we were praying, we felt like, you know, we should probably go back through it one more time. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter, I'm kidding, y'all, we're not going to do that. But uh, we've been in Acts for a long time. Some of you are like, praise God, we're at Acts. But it was really good. I, I enjoyed going through it, getting to preach through a lot of those messages. Um, we're going to go into a new series today. I don't know if it's up. Guilt or Grace is what we're calling it. And, and really specifically, the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at um, the church and, and money. And, and I know as soon as I say that, like walls go up, right, when we start talking about church and money. But my heart in this for you is that this would be very freeing. Um, I feel like this is one of the areas that we as Christians have existed in guilt and condemnation, have been manipulated, have been um, pushed in many ways in the wrong ways to finance an institution rather than to advance God's kingdom. And so we're gonna be looking at this. I believe that if we don't shut this down right now, I believe you'll be encouraged by this. Um, we know this, that we've seen a lot of abuses in the church with money. We've seen a lot of manipulation, as I've said. Um, I want you to understand this, that our elders, um, several of our elders and a couple of our staff have been meeting together uh, to discern what does the Bible say about this subject? What does the Bible teach about this? Don't, don't care like what we've heard in the past. What does the Bible say? Let's, let's understand what God's teaching us because the Bible says a lot about it. Jesus said a lot about it. So can we understand this from God's perspective? Can we look at this and really believe that whatever God said and whatever Jesus said about this subject is to set us free, not to bind us up, right? And so we wanna look at this and really begin to grab hold of God's heart in this and what he calls us to 
in this area, not to be driven by guilt and law, but be compelled by God's grace for God to do in us and through us what we can't do for and through ourselves, um, but through his grace. I want to be real clear, guys. This is not something we're doing to beg for money. It's not something we're doing to guilt you into giving money. It's not because we're broke. We're doing incredibly well financially. They're not going to cut the lights off this week, I don't think. It has, it's, it's nothing to do with that. It's to teach what Scripture says here. Um, God has always provided for us. We've, we've never been a church with $2 million in the bank, um, but we've always had what we needed. And so I want you to understand the motive behind this and how much our elders, our leadership, has sought the Lord in being, um, bringing this to you. There's one reason for us to do this, and that's to clarify what the Bible teaches on the subject. And so um, I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you go to this, if you remember when we went through the book of Acts and from you know about chapter 9 on, especially about midway through Acts, we read and studied and taught a lot about a guy by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Well, this is one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote it to a church in a city called Corinth. And in chapter 16, I want to read verses 1 through 4. He gets to the end of this letter and he reemphasizes, reminds them of something that he is, has been busy about and encouraging them towards. And so let's read it. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So this is an instruction he's been given to all the churches. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give you letters of introductions, of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gifts to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So basically what he's saying is I'm reminding you of this collection we're taking up, this offering that I've been asking you to give towards. And, and he's saying when I come, when I arrive and, and we we accumulate this, it's all brought together, then what I'm going to do is I'm either going to send some letters of recommendation with some of the people who are going to carry this to Jerusalem to the other apostles, or I'll go with them. And, and so that's what he's talking about with letters of introduction. It was common back in those days to send a letter of introduction with someone to kind of um, put a stamp of approval on them. And so that's what he's talking about. But this collection is what's interesting. The collection he's talking about is a collection for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Um, he's talking about giving money towards um, a fund that is going to go to them. They were in a situation where uh, they didn't have much. The, the Romans were taking a lot of what they had. They were going through a really difficult time, um, just physically, financially, with the th things that they needed. And so this is the collection that he's talking about. Now, let's flip over into 2 Corinthians, another letter that Paul wrote to this same church. Go to chapter 9, and we're going to read the very end of this. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul deals with this collection quite a bit. Now, for Paul to commit two chapters of Scripture to this, it must have been pretty important, right? And so when we look at verse 12 in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, This service that you perform, meaning this collection, this gift, these, this grace that they're performing in supplying these needs, he said, is 
not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you approved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace. Does it say guilt? No. It doesn't say law, but the surpassing grace God is giving you, the surpassing ability God has given you to do this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's the indescribable gift? It's not the money, it's Jesus. It's the one through whom grace came. And so let's pray, we're gonna jump in. Lord, thank you for your word that we can open it, that God, your word sets us free, that your word speaks to our heart. Lord, that your word, the gospel message is your vehicle, is, is your means, Lord, for bringing glory to you in the earth, for leading others to you, Lord. God, I pray that would happen today, that you would be glorified in this, that we Lord, would be set free from anything that has hindered us from enjoying the fullness of fellowship that you offer us in Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen, amen. So how many of you, a little interactive time this morning, um, can remember something when you were a child that you were just like, maybe it was coming up on Christmas time, Maybe it was a birthday. Maybe it was just something you really, really wanted. How many of you can remember something you really wanted when you were a child? You're like, I gotta have this. If I could get this, man, this would be it for me. This would just kind of like complete my life if I could get this. Anybody remember something like that? Who'd be willing to volunteer one of those things? A 410 shotgun, Mr. Bo Ford. I wanted to kill things, right? Um, yeah, a 410 shotgun, Bo. Um, When's the last time you shot it? Or did you even get it? You got it? When's the last time you shot it? 40 years ago. 40 years ago. <laughs> you enjoying that 410, huh? Yeah. Uh, what else? What's something else that uh, you really, really wanted? Anybody got anything else? A Harley Davidson? How old were you? No, when you wanted it. A kid, yeah. <laughs> You're like 10, riding a Harley. <laughs> Knowing you, you still have one, right? Yeah, still enjoying it. That's good. Well, that kind of kills my illustration. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Who else has something else? Yes, ma'am. A Patty pl 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 doll? Play Pal doll. Yeah, yeah. Still got it? It broke its leg. <laughs> so you had to put it down. Put down the Patty Play Pal doll. Just right? Yeah, with the shotgun. Bo shot it, broke its leg, had to go out. So anyway, here's the thing I would say, and even back to Bo's uh, illustration with the Harley, like when you think about this, I had those kinds of things, ball gloves, bats, a Nintendo. Oh gosh, I thought if I got a Nintendo, that would um, be all of it for me. And here's the thing though, it's like ultimately um, for most of us, we don't even know where those childhood things are, right? That we got when we were children. They're, they're, we don't even have them anymore. They're, they're not around. We don't um, typically enjoy them. And even with things that we do have right now, what about 50 years from now, right? 
What's going to really be important about that in 50 years, 100 years, even 1,000 years from now? What's really going to be important with that? And the thing I want you to see in this is that the overwhelming majority of what we invest our lives in won't matter in 50 years. The things we pursue and stress about, I told you the story about telling my oldest son the other day, talking about the test, uh, where I was like, look, don't worry about things that won't matter in 30 days, right? Um, But so many times we invest in things that won't matter in 30 years, 50 years, certainly a thousand years. And, And so I want you to understand that, but I want you to get this picture today too, that God's vision, this eternal vision that God has is worth the investment. It's one of the things we realized as we were studying, going through this, God's vision is worth our investment. Um, Ultimately, if you think about it, our lives aren't gonna matter much if all we invest them in are temporary things. We can spend all our lives gathering all the temporary stuff that we want, but ultimately that is what it is. It is temporary. Look at Matthew chapter six. We're gonna get back to, First and Second Corinthians in just a minute. But Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19, it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is Jesus speaking um, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and in this, Jesus is trying to help them change their way of thinking. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasure on, heaven, on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's Jesus encouraging them to do? He's saying, look, put your treasure, put your investment in something that's gonna last, something that's gonna make an impact, an eternal impact, something that's not gonna be here today and gone tomorrow, something that moth can destroy, rust can destroy, thief can break in and take from you. He's saying store up in a place that is eternal. And he wants them to see it. Think about this. Think about people who have literally like, if you were talking about making a impact on the world, have made a huge impact. One of the people um, that I think about with this is Steve Jobs, right? Think he made an impact on the world. How many of you right now have an Apple device with you? How many of you right now have an Android? Y'all are the ones with the green text on my phone, right? Is that what that is? Yeah, but, but gosh, a bunch of you right now, even on just in this room right now, not speaking of what we have at home or in our offices, we have Apple devices right now on us. Dude, like, some that help to change the world. But how much is that phone in your pocket, that iPad in your lap, that computer in your office, how much is it gonna really matter to you in 50 years? How much is Apple gonna matter in a thousand years, right? These things that are so great and seem so life-changing, they're not gonna matter in eternity. And what happens, y'all, is we sell our eternal impact for temporary gain. We sell our eternal impact for temporary gain. Now, we can say this, well, you know, it brings me joy. Well, that's good. Great. I'm not telling you you can't enjoy things. What I'm telling you is are we leveraging those things we enjoy that God has blessed us with to make an eternal impact 
Or are we just enjoying the temporary gain that comes from them? We can say, well, I buy food or I pay for a house. It gives me shelter. I drive a car, et cetera. It's all these things that go on. And those things matter to me. Like it's important that I eat. Believe me, I get that, right? But ultimately, it's only really going to matter if those things are leveraged for a greater purpose. If the food God blesses me with is used and it strengthens me to do something eternal. If I even leverage my home, that it's used in a way that does something eternal, that I leverage my, my car, even my boat, whatever it might be that God has blessed you with, am I willing to leverage those things for something, for God's kingdom, for an eternal impact? Or am I going to sell my eternal impact for temporary gain? That's the question that I would challenge you with this morning, because if we're not leveraging what God blesses us with for eternity, then you can squeeze all the, the joy out of it you want to get right now, but that's all you're ever going to get. Jesus even says this in Matthew 6, uh, verse 2, and Matthew 6, verse 5, Matthew 6, 16, he's talking about things like fasting and prayer. And he says, look, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they stand on the street corner and they pray for everybody to see them and people will pat them on the back and people will say, oh, look and listen to how they pray, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're not doing it for God's kingdom. They're doing it for public acclaim and for um, to raise their own status. And he's saying, understand this, that they have received their reward in full. In other, in other words, what they're getting right now is all they're ever gonna get. It's temporary, it's done, that is it. I hope you enjoyed it because it's over, right? That's what you're gonna get from it. But God's called us to something so much greater, y'all. He's called us to make an eternal impact. He's called, called us to live for something greater. And the biggest issue with us selling the internal impact that we can make for temporary gain is this, that we forfeit what we were created to do. We forfeit our design, what we were designed for. We forfeit it. Our mission, our purpose doesn't happen if we sell out eternal impact for temporary gain. Our, our purpose, it can't be accomplished. More importantly than that, God's purpose can't be accomplished. God's vision, his, his reason for our existence, what he wants to accomplish is hindered. And we can hear that and we can blow that off, but here's the thing. If we say that God's purpose doesn't matter, then we're saying God doesn't matter. If we say God's purpose doesn't matter, then we're saying, well, Jesus really doesn't matter. If we say that God's purpose, his vision for the earth doesn't matter, then we're saying the spirit isn't real. And here's just the honest truth. If we're not willing to put our money where our mouth is, then maybe our heart's not where we say it is, right? If we're not willing to invest in what God's created us for, then maybe I need to really examine my heart. If all I'm consumed with is the temporary things of the world, then I'm missing something. I'm missing something. 
I don't want us to miss it. Here's the thing that I want you to understand is that God's vision, his purpose is worth our investment. God's vision and his purpose is worth our investments. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Paul is bringing up this collection for the saints. You go to 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 15, Paul's talking about this collection. See, this wasn't just something that Paul took his willy-nilly, kind of just like whatever, you know, we'll just sort of get this done and then blah, 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 blah. It'd be a nice gesture. This was something really important. In fact, Paul spent probably close to 10 years working on this collection for the Jews in Jerusalem, these Jewish Christians who were struggling. It was something that God had put in his heart to do. And there were three reasons, and he gives us these three reasons for this in 2 Corinthians 9, 12. And it says this, the first one he says is this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. So the first thing is it was to meet practical needs, right? He says, but it's not only supplying needs. He says, ultimately, he tells us, supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He's saying, listen, God is being praised because of this. And ultimately, that's our heart, is that God would be glorified in all things. He goes on in verse 16, or verse 13, he says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. Again, praising, thanking God for what's taking place, for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. When you look at this, keep going. So he's talking about this glorification, meeting needs. But then he goes on and he says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Understand this, one of the biggest reasons Paul wanted to take this offering to Jerusalem was that he wanted these Jewish Christians to see these Gentile Christians and the love they had for them and the way God's grace had worked in them so that when this offering was taken, these Jewish Christians would recognize the love of God in the Gentiles and it would bring the church together. I tell you this because I want you to understand God has a greater vision, a greater purpose for our generosity than what most of us realize. A greater purpose. Listen, Paul wasn't just trying to take up uh, money to feed on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, as great as that is, and that's a wonderful thing. Paul is saying, listen, the church is the vehicle through which the gospel will go throughout the earth, and we need this church to be united. We need this church to be together. And God had given Paul a very clear vision of what God's heart was, and Paul is laboring and serving to do something to help that vision of God come to fruition, right? So there was a greater purpose, a greater reason. And ultimately, listen, here is the compelling reason for all of it. He says in verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He's not talking about the collection gift. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying this is why we're doing what we do. This is what compels us is the love of God. 
and the vision of God and the vision of Christ, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We're gonna do whatever it takes to see this happen. So Paul was working towards something greater. Paul was calling the churches towards something that mattered, that was meaningful, that was eternal. It was a greater purpose. And we look at that though, like what about us though, right? Like what are we called to? What are we, what are, if we're talking about money, what are we giving to? What do we sacrifice for? What's the purpose in this? Is it so I can sow a seed of $1,000 and get 10,000 back? No, right? Is it to keep the lights on? If that's the purpose, then I want out, right? I don't, wanna, I don't wanna do that. Is it just to pay my salary? Listen, I like to get paid, but listen, understand this. If that's the only reason, then let's go. I'll be honest with you. At this point in the church, I'm surrounded by such a great team of staff and elders and just people in, in, in the congregation. It'd be easy just to settle. It'd be easy to go, you know, I've worked real hard at this for 12 and a half years. We're in a pretty good position right now. You know, I think I could just coast and put this on other people and just let... That's not why I'm here, right? We're here to go and labor and pursue God until the last day. And there's a greater vision that we're called to, a greater investment that we're called to. But the first thing I want you to see in this though, listen, here's where we get tripped up so much in, in looking at this, is that so many of us, all we've ever known is giving to sustain an institution, not giving to a greater purpose or vision. It's all we've ever known. We're gonna sustain the institution. We're gonna ante up every year, every week, every month, whatever it is to keep the institution going. I'm not gonna give my life to sustain an institution. I'll give my life to advance God's purposes. That's what we're called to. And we look at this and, and so much of it has just been about the building and that and this and the other. If that's all it is, then let's just get out now. Fortunately, listen, for y'all through God's grace, this is not what it's been for us. I wanna show you a video of some guys that mean a lot to me. And for those of you who've been around, they're gonna mean a lot to you. And I want you to hear what God is doing in their lives where they are. And so I'm gonna ask the guys in the back there if you'd play that video now for me. What's up, Connection? It's Billy Shiver from over at our Vidalia location. I just wanted to take a quick moment and tell you thank you for your generosity. As I reflect back on everything that you guys have done for us, it fills my heart with gratitude, and it brings Paul's words uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians to mind. In 2 Corinthians 9-11, uh, Paul says uh, that they will be enriched in every way so that they can be generous on every occasion, and that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And man, that has been so true with what you guys have done for us. And it's because of God's faithfulness and your willingness to give generously that our church was planted in 2015. And what a joy it has been to see God work in amazing ways 
over here in Vidalia. We have seen God do some incredible things over the past seven years. Specifically, we have seen God save 262 people. Uh, we've seen 350 people take their next step and be baptized. We've seen one connect group multiply into over 30 different connect groups all throughout our community. And currently we're preparing to build our very own permanent facility. Uh, and we're excited to see how God is going to use this to propel us forward uh, and use this facility as a tool uh, to help us continue to reach, disciple, and send people out for God's mission. It's awesome to think about all that God has done and the incredible work that he's doing right here in Vidalia and all of our other five locations. So again, today I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity because God is using it to build his kingdom in Vidalia and all over the world. Good morning, church. Um, this is Jeremy Lindsay here. I'm the pastor um, at the Millen Connection Church, and uh, I'm excited to be able to share with you guys um, how much your generosity uh, meant to us uh, when we got started and we planted our church. Um, you know, generosity to me uh, means more than money. It, to me, it's money, but it's also time and your talent. And, you know, to have so many people come over and be a part of um, planting the church was amazing for me. Um, to have people um, come physically and help um, we had so many volunteers come and share generously of their time. Uh, they came and served uh, in, in our kids' ministry in KK, and they came and served uh, on, on Blue and guest services as we launched out. And it was amazing to have the support from other churches to come and, and just to show how much they loved us and supported us. That was amazing to me. Um, to have people also come and, and serve uh, continuously on through the, their talent. We had many people come serve and do worship and do different things um, and also aid in and pastoring and preaching. Um, it was amazing for, to me to have that type of support. Uh, but also your generous giving as far as financially was amazing to have the, the many, so many people give generously. And to, really it was showing me and telling me how much support we had, how much uh, you guys believed in us. And, uh, and you know, your generous giving gave us an opportunity to be able to um, really, as we launched out, we I felt like we were two years ahead with the equipment that we had, with uh, all the things that we had to, uh, the sound equipment and the recording equipment and everything that we had um, to really start out, even though we were portable. Uh, day one, when we launched out, we had a trailer full of equipment um, to reach people uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited uh, that I have people in my corner, and uh, we really appreciate all that you've done uh, for us as, as we planned it out. And just know that, that your generous giving and your generosity uh, was not overlooked, and we are thankful for it, and we're thankful for you. Uh, God bless you. What's up, Connection Church? Statesboro, Buck Benton here, lead pastor at Connection Church Dublin. Listen, just wanted to encourage you guys uh, about how much I've learned about generosity and giving toward God's vision uh, from you guys. And so uh, about five years ago, um, Brandon and you guys put your yes on the table uh, to, to see the gospel go forth. And you guys uh, resourced a young man and a small team to go into Dublin uh, to share the gospel faithfully. And since that day, man, God has done incredible things. In fact, uh, this year we've baptized 37 people, including um, my daughter. And so I, I'm eternally grateful uh, for the heartbeat of Connection Church Statesboro, which is uh, to give toward God's vision. And so I'm so pumped for you guys and just so grateful uh, that, that time and time again, uh, you guys have shown that's what you're about. And so I'm excited about this season uh, in the life of, of your church and the life of our churches. And I just believe that, that God's doing a lot of incredible things in the world. And isn't it a privilege 
that he invites us in to be a part of it. And so I'm forever grateful. I love you guys, praying for you, and so excited about what God is doing. Hey guys, my name is Dustin Phillips, and I get the privilege of serving as the pastor at Connection Church in Athens. And I just wanted to take a second to express how thankful we are for you guys at Connection Church in Statesboro and give a little bit of a glimpse into the story of how my wife and I came to know uh, the Lord because of uh, your church and because of uh, all you've done for us in our life. And so um, about 10 years ago now, my wife and I both were college students uh, just attending Connection Church in Statesboro. And uh, we actually were uh, just regular old college students attending there on Sundays and we got to know several people there and uh, God used that time in our life to save us but then also it's a time in my life where I felt called to ministry and uh, during that time it's just uh, it's been incredible to look back and see how thankful we are to connect all the sacrifices that you guys make on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis and then also even things like the giving that you guys have done to be able to help us plant the church in Connection Church in Athens. And so uh, we've now seen a few people get saved, a few people get baptized, and the church is uh, up and going and uh, doing well. And so I just wanted to take a second to say thanks. We're so thankful for you guys. We now have three boys that uh, we get to uh, share the gospel with and raise up in the ways of the Lord. And uh, we pray that because of you guys' generosity, uh, Connection Church Athens becomes a launching pad to plant more churches, to uh, hopefully, uh, God willing, see more people get saved and just continue to see God's kingdom grow because of the faithfulness of people like yourself and all you've done. And so we're just thankful for you guys. We're eternally appreciative of all you've done. And we pray that you guys will continue to be encouraged. We love you and thanks again. Hey, my name is Michael Page, and uh, I pastor Connection Church, Savannah. Uh, we planted uh, our church back in January of 2018, and since then, we've seen 45 people take next steps of salvation, 68 people take next steps in uh, baptisms, over 150 people joining Connect groups. Um, and all of this is a direct reflection of a church that gave their first and their best to see the kingdom of God move forward. Um, when my wife and I first started um, attending at Connection back in 2014 in Statesboro, uh, we both knew that the Lord um, was doing something special in this church. Um, it's because of people's generosity and giving their first and the best of their time, treasure, and talents um, that we've been able to do the things that God's called us to do. Um, over the last 10 years, uh, God's used the first fruits of our giving to plant five churches and, and that are now reaching people in, in cities and regions across this state. And the thing that gets us most excited is that, that we're just getting started. Um, every time we worship um, in this room that I'm sitting in, I, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness um, through his people's generosity as they, they gave um, to see the kingdom go forward and the gospel push forward. That, you know, that, that's just such a, uh, a blessing. And so from someone who's a direct beneficiary of, of your generosity, uh, thank you. Thank you for your obedience to the Lord, and I, and I look forward to what God has in store for us, for our partnership in the coming years as we continue to work together to plant churches and to see people reach for the gospel. And so uh, we're excited, and so I can't wait to see what God has in store. That's pretty cool. I think, like, for me, that's the, the best way to, to explain this to you is to see what God's doing through them. And I know for people who've been around for a while and know all those guys, like that's moving for me to see them and to see what God's doing um, in their lives and to know that we have a part in that, right? That God used us in some way 
to be a part of what God's doing in Savannah and Dublin and Vidalia and Millen and now Athens and and even across the sea, right, where we we are supporting and and uh, not in small ways, in very meaningful ways, God's vision going around the world. Um, and so I want to encourage you with that, that what we're in is something bigger than giving a percentage. What we're in is something bigger than um, just trying to keep lights on or pay salaries. That stuff to me is boring, right? What we are in is something bigger. And I want you to understand that. Whatever your perception of of church and money is, I want you to first and foremost understand that God's vision is worth our investment. It is meaningful. Um, It is powerful. God's vision is and will be accomplished through his people. This vision that we see from Genesis 1 all the way to Acts 1.8, we see it talked about in Genesis 12 with Abraham, where God says to Abraham, through you all nations will be blessed. Habakkuk 2.14 that we talk about so much, where we see that, that God makes this statement that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Um, Acts 1.8, where Jesus basically repeats this whole thing and says, take this into the world. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see the same thing. You know why we see it so much is this vision of God. It's one vision from Genesis to Revelation. It's what we're called to. It's where we're going to find the most meaning. It's where we're going to find the most satisfaction and where God is going to be glorified the most. I want you to understand that that is the greater vision we're called to. It's not just a vision of Connection Church. It is the vision that until every person knows. And we're called to keep going and keep moving and keep pushing and keep giving and keep using our talents, keep using our resources, leveraging everything we have for the glory of God and spreading this message of Jesus I went back and was reading in Matthew chapter 9 this morning where Jesus comes to this paralytic and uh, this paralytic actually is brought to him and he tells him, he says, get up and walk. Your, your sins are forgiven. And the teachers of the law, these religious leaders are just blown away. They're like, this man's blaspheming. Nobody can forgive sins except for God. Yeah, Jesus is like, well, which is easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven or say, get up, take your mat and walk. He says, just so you know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He says, take your mat and, and walk. It's interesting. The next section of scripture, it says he goes on from there and he comes to a man by the name of Matthew, Matthew being the tax collector, seen as a traitor, unclean, siding with Rome. And Jesus says, hey, Come follow me. Matthew leaves all of this behind. He would have been wealthy, but it would have been from taking money that he should not have taken from his own people. He gets up, he begins to follow Jesus, and it says that Jesus goes with him and that they end up at his house, and Jesus is eating and sitting with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, again, have a problem with this, and they say, look, he's eating with sinners. And Jesus is like, look, what you don't understand is I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And I want you to understand this. 
This is the message that changes the world. This is the purpose for everything we do. It is not about getting you to drop something in the box at the back of those doors. It, it's not about that, guys. It is about us leveraging every single thing we have so that this message of the sick being made well, of the sinner being made a saint can go around the earth, around the world, so that the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Are we willing to leverage it all, right? Are we willing to leverage everything for this to happen? Because this is what we are called to. For many of you, you were the sick one that needed a savior and Jesus stepped in. Well, what about the other people around the world who are where you were? We can't ignore that. What about the person across the street? We can't ignore that. And while we're busy chasing everything, you know, for this temporary gain, we're sacrificing our eternal impact. And I'm telling you, and I'm as much at this as anybody, we need to refocus on what really, really matters. And this gospel message is the power to accomplish God's vision. Last thing I want you to understand is the church, you and I, are the vehicle that carries this gospel message to the world. It is the church. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter three. It's one of my favorite sections of scripture because it says that it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is made known, not just to people, but to the angels in heaven. In other words, they look at what Jesus did. They look at the church and the church carrying out God's purposes on the earth and the angels are even in awe at the wisdom of God. My challenge for you is, are we willing to leverage everything? Are we willing to leverage it all for the kingdom of God? Are we willing to invest our life into God's vision? Do we really believe God's vision is worth the investment? That's the challenge. My hope, my prayer for us is that, for me, is that we don't spend our life on things that don't matter in 50 years. 30 years, but that we invest our lives into eternal things. So Father, we thank you. Lord, I even think about 2 Corinthians 8, Lord, that Paul penned through the leading of your Holy Spirit where it talks about how the grace of God was given to those Macedonian churches. God, we need your ability. It's so easy for us to hang on to the things of the world. And even now that we're grown, Lord, we're, we're still in so many ways just chasing after that next thing that won't matter in 30, 40, 50 years. Lord, I pray today that you would show us, show me, show us all, Lord, 
how to leverage the blessings you've given us, Lord, so that those blessings aren't the object of our worship, but that they cause you to be worshiped. Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, pray, Lord, that you be glorified through everything and be glorified in every place as your church carries this gospel message to the world. We love you, Lord, and praise your name. We thank you for the strong name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.